we started this series with a test. Well, it was really more of a trick question than a test. Asking you to say the word white five times and then asking you what cows drink. But for this episode, I actually have a real test that is designed to measure your instinctive reactions against your ability to think at a higher level. Developed in 2005 by Dr. Shane Frederick, the Cognitive Reflective Test is comprised of three simple questions. And don't worry, unlike our previous test, this is not designed to manipulate you into responding. It is a real cognitive test to see how well you can think. Are you ready? I'll ask you three simple questions. Do your best to remember your responses. Here we go. Question number one. A bat and a ball cost $1.10 in total. The bat costs $1 more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? Question number two. If it takes five machines five minutes to make five widgets, how long would it take 100 machines to make 100 widgets? And finally, question number three. In a lake, there is a patch of lily pads. Every day, the patch doubles in size. If it takes 48 days for the patch to cover the entire lake, how long would it take for the patch to cover half of the lake? So, do you know the answer to these three questions? If you said that the ball costs 10 cents, or that it takes 100 minutes to produce 100 widgets, or that the lake is covered with lily pads on day 24, then your answers are incorrect. But don't worry. Students at Harvard, MIT, and Princeton have given the wrong answer more than 50% of the time. And at other universities, the failure rate was in excess of 80%. Why? Because most people react to the questions using their gut intuition without taking the time to think through their responses. But if you've been listening to this show, you have learned the process for thinking so that you can be better prepared to answer or at least think through your responses. And if you are interested in what the answers are, listen to the end of this episode and I will share them with you. Welcome to Thinker's Manifesto, a podcast series that will help you think better. I'm your host, Sean Jackson. Episode 7, A Thinker's Journey. Over the past six episodes, I've outlined a process for thinking that I have developed to help me become a better thinker. My personal journey started when I read Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. It had a profound impact on me and led me to create this series on thinking. Since this is a recap, we'll start with step one, recognizing that you have two ways of thinking. In the first episode, I shared a summary of the two types of thinking processes Daniel Kahneman outlined in Thinking Fast and Slow. System one thinking is that fast, emotional, and automated thinking we use every day. It is the type of thinking that uses associations and metaphors to quickly create answers based on our experiences. System two thinking is more deliberate, 
using our creative and critical thinking skills to come up with better informed decisions. Now, the challenge that we all face is how to manage our emotional state so that we can move past our system one thinking process and into system two. That is why step number two is creating emotional circuit breakers. This starts with the premise that through planning and practice, we can be better prepared for situations we may encounter. And while this may help, you also need to include a deliberate pause in your effort. In other words, stop reacting by finding a distraction to help you clear your emotions and give you time to settle your thoughts. I personally consider emotional circuit breakers to be crucial in breaking free of the reactive state I tend to fall into, especially when a situation occurs that I have not planned or practiced for. Step number three is finding environments that promote creative and critical thinking. The first stage of deep thinking starts with creativity. Find a place that inspires your creativity by finding a place that includes a certain amount of distractions, interesting things on the walls or desk, music that is not too loud. But while a certain amount of distraction can improve your creativity, you should avoid places that might present intrusive interruptions. Places where friends or coworkers can interrupt you, the abrupt sound of a coffee grinder or a person's cell phone conversations. These interruptions will distract your thinking and pull you off track. And it can take more time than you think to pull yourself back on track once you're yanked off it. When you go to the next stage of thinking, what I would call critical thinking, make sure it is in a place with no noise and minimal to no visual distraction. Step number four is to limit your thinking to problems you can clearly define. Our ability to think clearly starts with limiting the problems or issues we are considering. Too often, we are trying to solve every aspect of a problem or situation all at once. But by asking questions that start with when, where, how, and what, we can start the process of limiting our thoughts to the key elements we need to consider. Also, understanding your principles is crucial to determine the relative importance of the ideas you are generating. So take the time to actually write down your principles and use them as a guide to thinking about your ideas. Step five is to understand and harness the concept of creative destruction. The process of refining our thoughts by writing them down and ruthlessly editing them down. The goal of this process is not to destroy your ideas for the sake of destruction. It is to find a common thread of thought that can hold an answer. And a big part of this stage is finding ideas that are applicable to the situation, but that might not necessarily be original or new. The final stage, which I discussed in episode six, is how to share ideas for both collaborative input and for announcing your developed ideas to others. Finding the right people to collaborate with on your ideas starts with finding people who have experience with the issues or situation you are thinking about. But it is not just finding people with similar experiences. It also requires you to determine how frequently they have encountered the problem and importantly, the result of their effort. And then, based on that, asking for their opinions on what you may be missing and how they would make it better. But never asking them, what do you think about my idea? I end that episode and the entire series with the concept that the only way you can really turn your ideas into reality is through writing them down 
and sharing them openly with others. Because the true purpose of this entire process is to provide a framework that will help turn ideas into reality. This is the last episode of Thinker's Manifesto. And if you made it this far in the series, I want you to know that I truly appreciate you letting me share my personal declaration of thinking principles. I do not postulate that this is the best way to think, but I can tell you that the process I have outlined in this manifesto is the way I try to think. It's how I think when I need to make important decisions. And it's how I think when I want to explore an idea that I hope I can turn into something more than just a thought. When I want to give an idea the chance to actually turn into action, take flight, and become a reality. In other words, this process for thinking is how I find my truth, and perhaps mine alone. But I do hope that the process outlined in this series helps you find your truth too. I hope that it provides you with an inspiration to analyze and improve the way you think, and that through this process, you find the confidence and freedom to make your ideas a meaningful part of your life and the world. And one last thing. Here are the answers to the questions I started this episode with. Hopefully, you did not simply trust your initial reaction to the questions I asked. Instead, I hope you took some time to think about them using the techniques we discussed in this series. Question one was, a bat and a ball cost $1.10 in total. The bat costs $1 more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? This question is probably one of the most frustrating questions in this test. Like most people, you may have said the ball cost 10 cents. But here is why that is wrong. The bat costs $1 more than the ball, which means that you have to take the cost of the ball plus $1 to find the cost of the bat by itself. Or put another way, the total cost of $1.10 is equal to the cost of the ball plus the cost of the ball and $1. Using some basic math, we find that the ball costs five cents and the bat costs five cents plus $1, which adds up to the total of $1.10. The second question does not require any math skill. If it takes five machines, five minutes to make five widgets, how long would it take 100 machines to make 100 widgets? Well, since each machine creates one widget in five minutes, then 100 machines would create 100 widgets in 5 minutes. Think about it. If you had two machines, they would each create a widget in 5 minutes. Since there are two machines, they would each create one widget each every 5 minutes. So two machines, two widgets in 5 minutes. Three machines, three widgets in 5 minutes. So 100 machines, 100 widgets in 5 minutes. The final question illustrates the difference between linear reasoning and exponential reasoning. In a lake, there is a patch of lily pads. Every day, the patch doubles in size. If it takes 48 days for the patch to cover the entire lake, how long would it take for the patch to cover half the lake? 
The key phrase in this question is double in size every day. In a linear process, we think one, two, three, four, etc. But if we are doubling every day, then the sequence is one, two, four, eight, sixteen, etc., or an exponential growth. So if the lily pads cover the lake on day forty-eight, then on day forty-seven they covered fifty percent or half the lake. So the answer is forty-seven days. Or put another way. If the lily pads doubled in size every day, and on day forty-seven they covered half of the lake, how much would they cover the next day? Since they double in size, then by day forty-eight they would cover the entire lake. The lesson: the next time you are presented with a challenge that requires your higher-level thinking, remember what you have learned in this series. You are a smart and clever person, empowered with great capabilities. Take the time to think. About the way you think, write down your thoughts, and develop your own thinker's manifesto. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Thinker's Manifesto. To learn more and connect with the show, visit thinkersmanifesto.com. If you have any comments, questions, or thoughts about the show, I invite you to email me directly. My email address is sean at thinkersmanifesto dot com. And if you are enjoying the show, please consider providing a rating or review wherever you happen to be listening, so others will know what to expect. Thank you.